Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe, and this week we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, so before I tell you what we are up to this week, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my guest. Uh, he is the host of the Cult Movies podcast and someone who's been a good friend of mine on Twitter for a while now. It is Anthony King. Anthony, how you doing? I'm great, Matt. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm always excited to talk about... Uh, all sorts of movies. I feel like, um, you know, I, Daniel uh, talks about that sometimes where, you know, you're kind of uh, stuck in uh, talking about a certain thing and where like cult movies kind of jumps all over the place. But uh, this time I get to talk about some more well-known movies. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, we've got a wide array of movies here to talk about. So I, now I'll tell you what we're doing because it was a little hard doing the intro. But I'm uh, pretty sure you came up with this and pitched it to me that uh, I think I'm going to call this the great movie swap because I think what we're so what we're doing is uh, Anthony gave me three movies. I gave him three movies. Um, and then we both were supposed to pair those movies and make doubles out of them. Um and they were just, I think both were very, mine were very random. I don't know about your three, but I kind of just pulled three off my kind of a list I had of stuff I want to talk about. And I was like, I'll give him these three. And um, I, that's how it came up. So we have, we're going to talk about six movies in total. Wait, is that right? Yeah, yeah, six, uh, well, <laughs> yeah six in total. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, a whole bunch of movies, different, all kinds of movies. So this should be very interesting. So I'm very curious what you thought of the stuff I gave you and what you paired it with. So yeah, and actually, it's six each, so we have 12 movies total to talk about. Oh, thank you. See, yeah, it's, <laughs> I told Anthony before we started, I'm kind of burned out today, but uh, my math is not on point. But <laughs> but yes, 12 movies. Don't know what's going to come up. I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> I hope the stuff I gave you uh, was enjoyable for the most part. So. Yeah, well, I, I, I appreciated the uh, variety of uh, choices here, and... Um, uh, let's see. I'm running through, looking through my, and I, I feel like, uh, I have some, my pairings, you know, I, I'm just, we're going to cover, I, I feel like we're going to cover a whole crap load of different types of movies tonight. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's, uh, kind of one of the ideas of the show. It's film feast. So we're going to have all kinds of, it's a, it's a real yeah. smorgasbord. It's so, a uh, meal, right. <laughs> it's a full meal. Um, so uh, I think before we get started, though, if people you've not been on this podcast before, but I've been on your show. Uh, you were nice to have family on there. Talk about Halloween, which was great. Um, do you want to tell people a little bit about cult, the Cult Movies podcast? Yeah, uh, well, it's uh, born out of Danny Perry's uh, Cult Movies books. He's a he's a film critic and and historian and and baseball writer, um, and he uh, wrote these uh, books, Cult Movies one, two, and three, and then he's got the um, you know, guide for the film fanatic and cult movie stars and, uh, alternate, alternate Oscars, all sorts of different books. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, I really loved his writing and I was introduced to so many, uh, movies I've never even heard of through his books. So I thought what we're going to do is I'm going to invite a guest on every week and have them pick a movie from the books. And then, um, kind of like, uh, what we're, doing tonight where we we dive deep into that movie from the book and then uh we each offer three different pairings for that movie um that's when you know that's something i i love doing is pairing movies obviously you know that's what we're doing here uh this week um but uh yeah it, it's been really fun matt you've been on uh you know kind of kind of our i don't know our crew or whatever uh daniel and and mike scott uh has been on 
Uh, and then Lindsay is is coming up this week. And, uh, you know, I've had, you know, this past episode, uh, this past week was uh, Jonathan Hertzberg from Fun City Editions, uh, new Blu-ray boutique label. Uh, but it's just a, a wide array of guests. And, uh, you know, I, I love talking movies and I love talking movies with people that are smarter than me uh, <laughs> because I love, you know, it's just learning. And I think you and I talked about that a little bit when you were on my show, um, how I, you know, I just I love learning um, about movies, kind of, you know, the behind the scenes stories, um, learning of new movies um just you know all that type of stuff so and it, it's it's been really fun um you know we we get to talk about tons and tons of movies every week um so yeah I, it's it's been a, a real fun uh trip so far early on we have a hundred movies to get through in the first book and uh we are on episode eight or nine now so we have a ways to go <laughs> <laughs> but you're making your way there. No, it's I, I was gonna tell people it's a great show. If they're listening to this and aren't listening to your show yet, they definitely should, especially if they've like some of the guests we've had, like you mentioned, Daniel, Mike, Lindsay have all been on this show. They've all been on on your show. Or they're going to be on your show. Um, so it's great. I love those Danny Perry books. I found them through Pure Cinema just a few years ago. So I'm pretty new to to his uh, his writing. But um, yeah, it's great. I'm so glad you started that podcast because it's just every week it's it's a deep dive into a movie and then it's these, these picks you guys make and it's always fun to see you guys come up with. So yeah, people should definitely be um, listening to that if they enjoy the show. I think, I think they would like that, that show as well. For sure. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Oh, you know, it's great. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, people check that out and uh, yeah, I guess, I guess now we can just jump into, uh, to this here. And since you are the guest, um, I will let you go first. Uh, I don't know which of my movies you're going to start with. So uh, what, what movie uh, that I gave you do you want to start with? Well, I'm going to start with um, the movie that I was uh, on Twitter uh, today as of this recording. <laughs> I was listening to the soundtrack again and just blown away uh, by this is uh, from 2016, directed by John Carney, Sing Street, uh, which I had never seen before. Uh, you had... Uh, told me to watch it and I could not be more thankful that, uh, you know, it, cause it, 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 it had always been on my list. People, you know, uh, said, this is a perfect movie for you. Why haven't you seen this? And, uh, anyways, I, I finally watched it, but, uh, John Carney also directed, uh, the movie once, which I absolutely adore and uh, it's just so strange why I it took me this long to see Sing Street. Um, but uh, uh, first off, thank you, Matt, for making me watch it. <laughs> You're very welcome. I, 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 I don't know what really brought me to that one. I think I had a big list of stuff I want to talk about on this show. And I was going through it, and I kind of know your taste, but I wasn't sure. And I know you'd mentioned you you don't watch as much newer stuff. And I was like, maybe I should give him something newer to watch, <laughs> to push him to watch something newer. And I was like, I think this movie should be this is the kind of movie I felt like would play pretty well to almost anybody. I think I thought it was kind of a safe bet. So, so I was like, yeah, we'll give him Sing Street. He should like that. So I'm really glad that you really, really liked it. That's great. Yeah. Well, so here, here's uh, what I really loved about it. It's really interesting. They play. So it's it, real quick about these um, uh, kids in high school, young kids in high school. And uh, one boy develops a crush on a girl and says, hey, I'm in a band. Uh, just to kind of get her attention and he's not in a band but he 
uh, goes to one of his friends and says, hey, we need to put a band together. So that's what they do. And they learn how to play instruments. And uh, this kid's older brother kind of introduces him to um, uh, music throughout the whole movie. And, uh, you know, they they kind of develop into this uh, this like really freaking awesome uh, high school garage band that plays uh, some of the greatest pop songs I've ever heard in my life. But and the great thing is that it's set in the 80s in uh, England or Ireland. I can't remember uh where exactly but uh the cool thing is they play these characters like they're peanuts characters uh, <laughs> uh i thought <clears throat> but the here's i'm blown away by the music rights to this thing so you have uh music by joe jackson the cure hall and oates duran duran rio uh which has like the greatest bass line it's one of the first bass lines i ever learned how to play um was for rio but so what they do they introduce uh, these like really famous pop songs to these kids. And then these kids go and write uh, a song inspired by the famous pop song. And these original songs, which were written by a guy named Gary Clark, who was uh, in a, a Brit pop band that was pretty big in the eighties um, are, I'm telling you, are some of the greatest pop songs I've ever heard. Uh, the one song that is inspired by Hall and Oates man eater uh, is called Drive It Like You Stole It, is, swear to God, I mean, maybe the <laughs> best pop song I've ever heard. <clears throat> it's so good, it pisses me off, because I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I write musicals, I'm a composer, and I have never, I, I feel like I've never been able to write uh, something that catchy. It's it's just such a perfect song, and it just pisses me off how good it is. Um, but, it, you know, it's, I don't know. There's nothing better than a great pop song and that this movie's just full of them. Um, I'm way more interested in the music stuff, like the band stuff than the, you know, him chasing after this girl. Uh, I'm more interested in the music than the romance part of it. Um, and yeah, I don't love the ending cause it's like, it, it's, it's this fantastical thing. Um, and if you haven't seen it, you should absolutely go see it immediately. And I, I don't want to spoil the ending cause it's, it's sort of, it's it's a little too big and broad for me uh but my god the music is I mean, is perfect in this movie yeah i sorry i was just listening i was just smiling because i was so happy that that you said all that because I, I gotta say about driver like you stole it might be one of the it is one of the catchy songs i've ever heard hands yeah. down oh my god when i first heard that i was like how did they create this song and it's one of the catchiest pop songs i've ever heard in my life um I just I was blown away by that song. And uh, yeah, it does take this little kind of fantastical bend at the end. And I I wish we could talk more about the ending, but I really don't want to spoil it for people. Um, but there's a lot we could read into about kind of how things are going to end up. But I like that it kind of ends on this very, um, I will say, kind of like a big hopeful note. Yeah. It's like the movie kind of earns that. So um, and there's something else. uh I, I'm into all of it. So it's, to me, it's this is like a like a five star movie. And this is not usually my type of movie. I don't even remember why I watched it. Um, I think someone wants to recommended it because it's I'm not the biggest musical guy. But this also is not really a traditional musical because I, I realize I like musicals when the music is kind of organic to the movie. Like they are they are a band playing songs. You know what I mean? It's not like someone breaks out in a song and dance number. <laughs> so 
So yeah, that kind of helps. But I like fell in love with this movie the first time I watched. I was into everything, and I love. So there's this love story I'm into. The music is great. The, it's funny. Uh, the the stuff near the end that kind of comes up with him and his older brother, I think, is so great because it kind of comes out of nowhere, but it feels very to me. It felt very real. I don't know. Like the, he has this conversation with this his kind of stoner type brother the whole movie, and they have this conversation near the end that I just thought was so good um, <laughs> that kind of changes his character. You kind of see him differently by the end of the movie and you're like, Oh, okay. Something else going on here, but I just got so much good stuff going forward. I just, I just love this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I was blown away. I, I'm not familiar with uh, uh, much of his work, but Jack Rayner uh, plays yeah. this kind of stoner loser brother. And he, you know, he plays uh, the boyfriend in midsummer, the, you know, the bear suit boyfriend. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I was blown away, like, so impressed with this guy's chops. Like, he can do it all, obviously. Um, and it, it is, I really, I do love that uh, that brotherly relationship, that sibling relationship between uh, the, the, the younger kid and, and Jack Rayner. And it's, that's very, very touching. And, you know, I mean, I, I do, I love a, a romance uh, movie. And, um, you know, I just... It's and and here's the other thing with, I think, for me it's really important um, that a movie is rewatchable, mm-hmm. um, and I think Sing Street is insanely rewatchable. I agree. I I, I don't know how many times I've been watching since like it came out, but uh, it's more than a few. That's for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So. Um, now, uh, should we should we move on to what I paired it with? Yeah, I can't. I, I can't think of what else to say because I'd love to get in the ending, but I, I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, no. If you haven't seen Sing Street, I think it's been on Netflix for a very long time. I might be wrong. Um, yeah, uh, it, it's not on Netflix right now. Currently, oh, okay. as of as of this recording, it's on IMDb, uh, IMDb TV though, which is you know at uh, oh, yeah free free with ads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a movie. I feel like no matter what kind of movies you think you like, I think if you give Sing, Sing Street a chance, I, I think you will at least enjoy it to some level. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, Yes, I will say that. So, yeah, what I'm curious what you paired it with, because I I don't know which way you go with this. So So, uh, there's um, the the brothers are uh, coming from a home that is the parents are uh, getting ready to separate. And so that kind of really stuck with me for some reason. And so I initially went thought, okay, the squid, the whale from Noah Baumbach would work. Um, but then I started thinking, okay, let's talk, let's, let's think more music stuff. So I thought, um, Lords of Chaos, uh, kind of out of left field, but it's a, you know, about band, uh, or, or there's the, the, we are the best about it pretty much sing street, but, um, you know, about the girl band. Um, and then I thought, okay, Nick and Nora's infinite playlist is a cute romance, uh, movie, uh, you know, with the music involved. I was also thinking risky business. Um, but I ultimately ended up with uh one of my all-time favorite movies um and that is Stephen Freer's High Fidelity from 2000 uh of course based on Nick Horn's uh Hornby book and uh you know I it, it's it's about two you know that both movies are about uh, you know a younger kid and then Rob um played by John Cusack of course who are dreamers they are hopeless romantics um and I also love that uh, Sing Street, like the very first thing in Sing Street is like a flashback to this kid's like 
earlier like younger self to where he's getting rejected like behind the bleachers at a at you know a football field or whatever just like in high fidelity when rob's thinking back to his first uh girlfriend anyways that that's what really made it oh, stick okay. to me but um i i don't know do you like you like high fidelity at all I do. I like it a lot, actually. I've only seen it one time. I saw it the first time a couple of years ago because I it was one of those movies. I'm like, I need to see High Fidelity. You know, it's on the list. I'm like, it seemed like it was kind of a touchstone uh, for people, especially people like I love music. I love movies. It's like you got to see High Fidelity. Um, and I really, really liked it. I remember it was weird because I watched it. I felt like I loved it immediately. But then I almost was questioning should I have liked that that much? I feel like there was some stuff and I'm kind of blanking right now, but with him where I, I don't want to use the word problematic, but I feel like there was some stuff where I'm like, should I like him that much? Or if I like, I relate to him that much. Cause I feel like he kind of does some John Cusack does some things where it's questionable. It's like, they're trying to make him the hero, but it's like, is he really the good guy? I might remember this completely wrong, but I feel like I remember thinking some of the stuff he did with in relationships where I'm like, you kind of seem like a dick, but I don't remember. <laughs> If yeah. that makes any sense. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, he Rob is he's um, I mean, if if anyone says, oh, that guy's an asshole, uh, I'm not going to argue with that because <laughs> he's he's clearly, you know, I think that's kind of the joke of the whole movie. Uh, you know, he's this pompous. Uh, guy that owns a record store. And so when people come in looking for stuff or, you know, offering trades, he's like, no, man, I can't believe you listen to that kind of, you know, kind of stuff, whatever. Um, but, you know, I, he, let's see here. I, so I saw this in the theater uh, back in 2000 and immediately loved it. And then, you know, got the VHS and then I got the DVD and, you know, there was a uh, one day where I had watched, like spent the entire day just watching the movie back to back, to back, to back, to back. And I mean, that's how much I love it. And I never, never get sick of it. I watch it at least once a year. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I love, I don't care what anyone says. I love John Cusack. I know, you know, maybe he could be a jerk in real life or whatever. Um, and some of his movies are questionably good. Um, but for the most part, I love, uh, a Cusack movie. And, uh, the other thing is when this, so when this came out, uh, I was, I, I I have always been a big dreamer myself, but when this came out, I had been dreaming of opening a record store. And so this girl that I was dating at the time found this, uh, kind of abandoned shop, and got the info and set up like a tour and a meeting with the real estate person uh, for me to buy this place. And I mean, I was 19 at the time, maybe 20. Um, uh, clearly uh, too too young to be <laughs> uh, and like green to to start a business venture. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I I was. I don't know. I, it was it was kind of though that uh, right place, right time type of movie. Um, but for me, it's always held up. You know, I I, I think of the movie Garden State, which mm-hmm. for for a long long time I called that one of my like my favorite movie of all time. Um, but then I didn't watch it for several years and went back and watched, it and I was like, oh. Well, that's embarrassing, you know. <laughs> and uh, no offense to anyone that loves Garden State, I still like the movie. Um, but like, you know, on the opposite side, uh, high fidelity has never worn on me. So anyways, I, you know, I just like the topics that, that kind of, uh, cross between seeing street and high fidelity, you know, 
romance, music, chasing dreams uh, type of thing. Uh, I, you know, I just I think they'd work really well. Yeah. And I didn't want to give the impression I was judging anybody who loves high fidelity because it was one of those things where I finished it. I just checked my letterbox. I hit four and a half stars right off the bat. And uh, so I loved it. But I remember having this almost like existential crisis where I'm like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of myself (laughs) in in, in, uh, Rob. And I'm like, is that good or bad? I don't know. I think I'd seen some dialogue online about like they were calling him problematic or something. So, you know, I kind of thought I was questioning like because that whole thing it's very famous i think it's like memed a lot where he says like movies music these things matter um that's definitely me when i talk to new like women i'm interested in and it it comes up and it's not like a, a test they have to pass but i'm judging them right. so yeah oh no um, i yeah i i think rob uh would be a difficult person uh to date or marry or even be friends with uh, we'll put it that way. Uh, I think he he's a difficult person uh, for sure. So again, you know, I I wouldn't, you know, if I, I've heard lots of people say, you know, I hate this movie because he's so unlikable. Uh, yeah, he is. Um, he is pretty unlikable. But I also love movies with unlikable characters. So I can too. I mean, sometimes it. It turns me off, but, uh, you know, sometimes it kind of depends on how it's written, how it's done, but, sure. uh, but yeah. Uh, and I have to, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but you brought up Garden State, which hasn't come up on the show yet, but because <laughs> I was one of the people that loved Garden State. Yeah. I was 17 when that came out. That hit, that hit me at 17, like the perfect time to see that movie. And I remember it was the first movie that I actually kind of sought out. I went to like a theater, uh, drove myself like farther away, like a theater I never go to to see it. Like a because it was only showing it was like one theater like 30 minutes away. And it was a huge deal. I seen the trailer and I was like, what is that movie? I've got to see this Garden State movie. And um, for a long time, I think I said it was like a, a top 10 movie. I still really like it, too. But it's kind of like it's lost a little bit's luster. Um, the only thing I actually really find really embarrassing is uh, the scene where they're in the uh, there's a giant hole, and the guy they, <laughs> you know what I'm gonna say, and he leaves, and he's like, "Good luck." What is it? Good luck chasing the infinity or the abyss or yeah. something. And yeah, it's, yeah, that kind of thing. Where I'm like, "Oh, right, this is a real indie movie." <laughs> like, well, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you watch it, and you're like, "Oh boy, Zach Braff, you're, uh, you know," <laughs> and but okay, so so again, uh, trying not to. Uh, go on a tangent here but so 2004 uh gave us garden state and then it, it gave us closer so i has uh, i i was dating this girl um who uh, it was just it was very um uh i i was i was super clingy and like very uh you know probably probably pretty toxic uh back then but uh so we went and saw these movies, both of these movies in the theater and like one. So we go and see garden state and, and like, it's, you know, it's, it's very hopeful and you know, they, you know, they end up together and then we go and see, and like, that's kind of the height of our dating relationship. And then we go and see closer and like that is, and I still really, really love closer. And I think it's one of the most actually honest movies um, out there uh, based on a very honest, even more honest play. But anyways, uh, so we go and see <laughs> closer and like, that's the depths. That's like the end of our dating relationship. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you know, I, I, I can't, 
uh, not think of this uh, young lady when I think of these movies. Um, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Uh, you know, love movies, love whatever movie you want, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I, I mean, I'm a fan of both these, the High Fidelity and Garden State. I just, I can recognize things in them that are kind of like, questionable maybe you know what I mean? for sure oh, yeah. um but yeah i love garden i forced like every girl i dated to watch garden state and now i look back i'm like that's embarrassing <laughs> i'm like you gotta watch garden state see and then uh yeah and then uh usually goes over pretty well but i feel like i really force it on people <laughs> i've stopped now but uh yeah no i uh, <laughs> but no i like the pairing of sing street and uh, high fidelity that's that's really good um and to go way back sing street they were in ireland he wanted to go to england that was the oh, whole. Okay, that's what it was. That's yeah, the yeah. whole thing. I had to check too because I was questioning. I was like, "Wait, were they?" Yeah, he's in Ireland. Dublin wants to go to Dub- to England. Right. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a great double. That people should do that one <laughs> definitely. So um, okay, uh, anything else in those before we jump over to mine? No, I can't. I can only remember one of the movies I gave you. So this is exciting <laughs> for me. <laughs> I kept forgetting too. I I literally had to go back and look at our conversation because I kept forgetting. <laughs> Like, I always remember two of the three. Can I remember all three? And I was like, what did I give him to watch? Um, okay, so I'm going to start with, like, the the lightest of the three <laughs> first, okay. uh, which is That Darn Cat from 1965, oh, yes. the original. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I will tell you this, Anthony. I'll be very honest with you. When I saw this one on your list, I thought, oh, no, because I've thought my whole life that I have, like, this severe, um, uh, what's the word? Um, allergy i thought i hated these live action disney movies from like the 60s 70 like 56 that whole era of because my mom and grandma would like force me to watch them. okay yeah <laughs> and i was worried i was like oh no that darn, i don't know how this is going to go for me and i i but i watched it and you know it's it's a delight it's very nice <laughs> like it is. It's, it's delightful <laughs> it was so inoffensive and so light and you know it went down smooth i will say and I, it was funny because i was thinking of all those live action disney movies one of the only ones i can remember really loving as a kid was mary poppins and i realized oh it's the same director robert stevenson <laughs> directed this in mary poppins so um so yeah that, i just thought that was funny i was like oh he directed two live action disney movies i, I like so so if you haven't seen that darn cat for anybody who hasn't seen it, um, it's about a, uh, a cat, as you can imagine, who, who is, uh, kind of, uh, not a witness to a crime, but he is somehow an accessory to, there's a, there's a, a bank teller who's been kidnapped by these two guys and this cat DC darn cat, uh, comes into the house. The woman puts her, uh, bracelet or, or watch on him and says help and sends the cat away and it's Haley Mills's cat she finds it she's like well this is odd and and the FBI gets involved there's an FBI agent played by Dean Jones who is assigned to the case uh he's allergic to cats that's where the that's one of the the funny parts there and uh so they're trying to find this kidnapped bank teller and they have to tail the cat uh basically and it's just you know comedic mishap ensues all kinds of funny shenanigans um yeah i watched it one day for like when i was working in the morning and i was just like yeah this is delightful it's a i mean it's not a deep movie it's not like it has deep (laughs) themes but but, uh i i was enjoying it i was like i watched i was like oh this is not what i thought i thought the criminals would be very like goofy like cartoon face over the top like it almost like a don knotts type where they're making faces they weren't really like that. They were kind of, it was played a little more serious than I expected. Uh, it's not like a super serious movie, but, but I, I was kind of 
surprised by that. And Haley Mills is very cute and charming. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean Jones is really good. I was obsessed with the character of Canoe. <laughs> Haley Mills's boyfriend, who is only obsessed with like surfing and eating and watching surfing movies. It's like all he cares about. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was oh. like, this guy's great. Uh, he was like um, my favorite character of the movie. I was like, this guy could, first of all, was, his name is Canoe, which I thought was like, that's great. And uh, he just, he's like constantly like, we got to watch the surf report on the news. We got to go right. watch these surfing movies. Well, <laughs> well, on the flip side, then like her sister is dating Roddy McDowell. Who's yes. This, like super pompous. <laughs> He's super funny in this uh, <laughs> because, I mean, I, I'm not like super versed in Roddy McDowell. So like this was a nice change of pace, you know, after knowing him from Fright Night, mm-hmm. um, like he, you know, is super funny. Um, but yeah, it is. A, it's it's a very light, very charming movie. Uh, this. Uh, oops, sorry. I watched this for the first time last year, two years ago. Um and it, I gave it four and a half out of five stars too. Like it's just, I think it's also very rewatchable. Um, but it's also like you know, it's never a bad time to put on such a light movie. You know? Yeah. No, it's one of those. It's really good if you're like doing some work and it's on the background because it doesn't sure. require much of your attention. But no. it's just nice to have on. And I was going to mention Roddy McDowell because he's kind of like a kind of a creepy jerk in this movie too. Cause he's really like, he wants to get at Haley Mills' sister uh, and she's not having it. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, yeah. it took me a long time in the movie to realize it was Roddy McDowell, by the way. It took me like, and oh. I was like, holy shit, it's Roddy McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> it took me like, maybe not that long, but I, it was a few times I'd seen him and it finally put it together. Cause at first I was like, he looks really familiar. I don't yeah, know why yeah. I didn't check IMDb, but, but then I finally put it together. But um, yeah, I mean, he's fun. It's just fun. It was, oh, I was also worried cause Tall was like almost two hours long. But it doesn't yeah. feel like it's almost two hours long. It kind of flies by. Like it's very light. It's just very fun. <laughs> yeah, it's you know you know what it was. This was the very first movie that we watched. Uh, my wife and I watched when we got Disney Plus when we signed up for Disney oh, Plus. Oh. Whenever that was, you know, two years ago or whenever. Um, so yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, I again, it's super light. There's never a bad time for that. You know, especially mid pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was, uh, no, I mean, I'll say I was worried about it, but it turned out perfectly fine. I enjoyed it. <laughs> so, <Great. laughs> so good job. Uh, and it was funny because I, I meant to mention this too. I had seen the remake. My grandma had taken me to see the Christina Ricci remake from like 1996, 97 okay. or something. Don't remember anything about it, but, <laughs> yeah. but I did see it. <laughs> um, I just thought that was funny. I was like, oh, I've seen the remake, but not the original that darn cat. Right. So, um, so, okay, this is might be my weirdest pairing. Think of, <laughs> if anyone listens to Pure Cinema, they did an episode called Kitty Midnights. Yes. This is kind of a Kitty Midnight scenario. Wait, wait, like, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. can I guess it real quick? Yes. Is it The Uninvited? No, no, no. Okay, okay. It okay. went a very different direction. It's, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't know what to do. At first I was like, well, I looked at all these like other live action Disney movies like sure. the ugly Dotson popped up. <laughs> I was like, that seems too obvious. Yeah. So um then I was like, okay, I need a hook. You know, like if you're trying to pair something, you don't know what to do. You gotta find some kind of way in. Like so I went with cats and criminals, although it's kind of more cats and cops, but still cats and criminals. I went with Keanu from twenty sixteen. Oh, is that the uh the uh it's Key and Peel? Yeah, Key and Peel. Okay. I never yeah. saw 
that, but oh, nice. <laughs> so I yeah, I didn't know. I I was really this. There was two that I, that it was funny. One of yours I I had right away. Like I knew what to pair it with. The other two, very last minute. <laughs> like I was like, what do I do? <laughs> um, and so this one I was like, okay, cops and criminals. I was going through just movies, and I think I looked at movies with cats. I got sure. Keanu. I was like, Keanu, perfect. I like Keanu. Um, <laughs> it's not a great movie. It's kind of in the vein of that darn cat where it's very like light, silly, goofy, except it gets Keanu's rated R, a lot of swearing, a lot of violence, uh, people doing drugs. So this is like you put on that darn cat first, you send the kids to bed, you watch yes. Keanu afterwards. Perfect. Yes. Um, it's very funny. Keanu people are very funny in this. The cat is adorable. It's just like kitten. That's like the cutest cat you've ever seen in your whole life. Um, and basically, uh, Jordan Peele finds this cat, and it's like the cat of a a big drug dealer. And <laughs> and uh, uh, he takes the cat in. He doesn't know any of that. He's just he just loves this cat. And then the cat gets uh, stolen, taken back away from him. So then him and um, uh, oh, uh, God, Michael. But yeah, <laughs> oh, Keegan, Michael K. Key. Thank you. Yeah, could, yeah. His name is very like. How many words are in that? So. <laughs> uh, Key, I will say, <laughs> him and Jordan Peele go off on this wacky adventure uh, to to get the cat back, and then they have to kind of go undercover with a gang, and <laughs> and uh, and um, they they show this gang like George Michael songs and try to tell them that like George Michael's really hardcore and gangster, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they make up what are their names? Names like Tectonic. And I can't remember the other name. <laughs> they make up these stupid fake names. Um, it's very silly. I mean, they get in way too deep with these people. There's like shootouts. It almost is like has moments of like Michael Bay bad boy style, like parodying okay. that kind of thing. So it's yeah, like yeah. it gets so ridiculous, so over the top. Um, not like not an amazing movie, but I enjoy it. I uh, I had a lot of fun with it. And I just was like, yeah, OK, yeah, I'll pair that with that darn cat. So you watch that darn cat. After midnight, you put on Keanu, and uh, there you are. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of fun. I feel like it kind of fell off the radar, which is weird because like Jordan Peele got so big, but this is kind of his last comedy um, before the year after this is Get Out. So I guess now it's like, you know, he's he's the horror guy now. So sure. So well, yeah, yeah. Looking on Letterbox, I mean, it's quite popular with uh, you know the people that I follow. So um, I mean, I. If, Key and Peel, come on, they're, you know, two of the funniest people, uh, you know, alive right now. And uh, yeah. I, I always thought, uh, like, like you mentioned, I don't watch a ton of newer movies. Um, but God, when I saw, you know, an advertisement for this, I thought, what are we doing with the cat? Come <laughs> on. And so, but this, this is reassuring. Uh, I, I've never even um, heard that anyone like this and so hearing you and then going to look at letterbox and saying oh crap everybody kind of likes this that's reassuring <laughs> yeah it's really i was thinking when i watched it again i was like i feel like no one has talked about this movie since it came out yeah. <laughs> and uh it's weird i mean it's like i said just go in just with like a fun stupid comedy don't have high expectations it's not high art it's a very silly movie but um yeah, it's still fun. I mean, it's, you know, it's just a goofy, crazy movie. So, um, yeah, I thought it would be fun with that darn cat. They're both just light, funny movies. Yeah, <laughs> Although, that's perfect. Yeah. So. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, what uh, what is next from what I gave you? Because now I am blanking on what I gave you. <laughs> okay. So uh, next up is uh, another one that had been uh, built up 
so high in my mind and I'd never seen until like, I don't know, a month before you and I started talking about doing this uh, show and then you you said, okay, I want you to watch this. Yeah. And I thought, oh, perfect. I just watched it. Um, and this is Joe Dante's matinee from 1993. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, it, 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 it's huge in the, you know, the horror crowd. Uh, because, you know, it, it follows a William Castle-esque character played by John Goodman, who is always the most comforting um, uh, person to ever yes. walk the screen. <laughs> I mean, he's like, anytime he's on screen, you're just, you're warm and you're gooey and you feel good. It uh, doesn't matter what movie it is, whether it's, you know, Big Easy, he's kind of playing a sleazy uh, cop in the Big Easy, but it's still John Goodman, so you're like, oh, I feel good about this. Anyways, um but, you know, he's playing this uh, uh, William Castle-esque uh, guy who has traveled to Florida to uh, promo his new movie called Mant. And, you know, it's uh, uh, about a, a man who uh, is turns into a, a, you know, half man, half ant. And, um, but, you know, it's it's kind of a touching... You know, uh, the reason Joe Dante loved it so much is because he grew up in Florida and, uh, you know, he grew up on these kind of old monster movies in the, you know, 50s and 60s. And uh, it was all during the Cold War and the Cuban Missile Crisis. And so so that's kind of uh, a big plot point in Matinee where uh, this kid, uh, his name is, let me look it up. Um, his name is Gene Loomis, uh, played by Simon Fenton. Um, and oh, I forgot his best friend is uh Stan uh, uh Omri Katz from oh, uh, from Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus. Yep. yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so like these kids are dealing with this like huge looming thing, like we could die at any minute, and so they're going through like these you know, these missile uh you know, the, the, the bomb drills in school where you have to hide under your desk. You know, I, I, I grew up my mom telling me stories about how they had to do that when she was uh that age, but. You know, so that's like a heavy, heavy thing. Um, but it's 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 a great, great coming of age story. So he's you know, he kind of likes this girl and, uh, you know, he's dealing with this kind of goofy friend. Um, and but then this guy comes into town, uh, Lawrence Woolsey, uh, and then his like the actress who's in all of his uh, um, all of his movies played by Kathy Moriarty, who I always love. Uh, because, um, I mean, I'm always crushing on her no matter what <laughs> movie it is, no matter how old she is. I, my God, uh, just an all time crush, but they come into town and they're, they're promoing Mant and, um, you know, Lawrence kind of takes, uh, oh crap. I forgot the kid's name already. Uh, Gene under his wing and kind of showing them the ropes and okay. When, you know, we do. Uh, this in the movie we're gonna send down you know the man he's gonna run down the aisles and scare people and you know we got the 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 buzzers on the seats and blah 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 that type of stuff and it's just it's so charming it makes me wish because in our house we uh in the midwest our horror host is a guy named sven Gooley out of oh, chicago wow. and so we watch uh Sven Gulli every Saturday night in our house. Um, 
And, you know, whether we're actually watching or not, it's always Sven Gulli is always on at seven o'clock on Saturday nights in our house. And so, like, it's these it's those types of movies. And I love those types of movies. I used to watch those types of movies with my mom. It's kind of how I got into black and white movies, uh, watching these old William Castle movies. Um, but, you know, here's the thing, though. Like I said, matinee had been built up for so many years in my head. You got to get it. And then, and then it gets this beautiful uh, shout select Blu-ray. And I'm like, okay, I have to see this thing. And so I finally watch it. I had impossible expectations. Mm. No movie could ever reach them. But I will say this. When I watch it again, I, I did order the Blu-ray. Um, when I watch it again, it's going to get better. It, every time I watch it, it's going to get better and better and better. Uh, one, John Goodman, hello. But two, like it's just it, it's a great coming-of-age story. Um, so it's, you know... I. I really, really enjoy I mean, just talking about it, you know, ha- has already in my head, you know, climbed up a half a star, you know, on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but I, I'm glad I finally, after all these freaking years saw it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's great. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny because I, I'd only seen this one for the first time a couple years ago. I feel like it was an F this movie fest movie, I think. Uh, if not, they definitely talked about it. I think Patrick Bromley is a huge fan of this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, so I had seen it just from them. To, I, I don't think I even heard about it before, which is weird. because It was a Joe Dante movie. And like, yeah. um, yeah, so I watched it. I loved it. And today I rewatched it and I loved it even more. <laughs> I yeah. literally, yeah. I mean, I, I, this, I don't, I don't say this very often about movies, but to me, this felt like I was watching This is the perfect movie. I love this movie. <laughs> like, I just absolutely love it. Although I get the thing about things being built up in your head too much and they don't live up to expectations. It happens to me all the time with movies and I hate when that happens. But um, sure. yeah, I don't know. This one just today, especially when I rewatched it before doing this, I was like, I just love this movie. <laughs> like with that, it, it's not, I don't think it's perfect, but to me, it's a perfect movie. You know what I mean? Like technically I'm sure people would be like, Oh, this is is perfect. But to me, it's I just I just love it. If that makes any sense, to me, it's oh, a perfect absolutely. movie. <laughs> no, I high high fidelity. It's a perfect movie to me, right. but obviously not a perfect movie to uh, you know other people. But yeah, matinee uh, again. When I watch it again, I'm gonna. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt if it jumped up to you know a five star movie. Um, but it, you know, it's it, it's that thing. It, you know, that's totally on me. I built these expectations up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, know for so many years but anyway so uh i thought uh this was kind of a hard one for me to come up with a pairing i thought okay let's let's think of movie theaters for a second so i was like okay popcorn which i've never seen uh demons or last action hero Mm. um and then i was like okay what about making movies so i thought bowfinger dolomite is my name ed wood which i've also never seen i think ed wood would probably work really well with this movie i think we Uh, just talked about it i think you're right (laughs) yeah um but uh, I instead I just went with um, a pure and genuine and like joyful movie. There's like there's no huge dramatic twists in either of these movies, and um, uh, it, it might seem a little out there, but it totally works. And that is John Favreau's Chef from 2014. Oh. Yes, I love Chef. I love Chef. <laughs> how how could you not? So uh, we, my wife and I, uh, we saw this in the theater uh, back in 2014, and of course loved it. Uh, and uh, you know, it's it's been on Netflix for years and years and years now. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And it's it's one of those movies that I've seen, I don't know, 20 times. Uh, because it's it's one that I can just put on in the background uh, for comfort. But here's the thing. So last, <laughs> last night, uh, we put the kids to bed, and my wife and I had some, some stuff to do. And so it was like 10 o'clock, <clears throat> excuse me, and I sit down and I'm kind of dicking around on my computer and, and she's, you know, flipping through her phone or whatever. And I'm like, okay, um, oh, I was putting notes together for, for uh, this podcast. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to put on Chef. Um, you know, I haven't watched it in six months. Why not? Let's just put it on again. Uh, we shouldn't have put it on at 10 o'clock at night because you have to sit down and watch the whole fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because, again, to me, this is a perfect movie. Um, it has like just one of the best soundtracks. Um, and here's the other thing. So, uh, in a different life, uh, many, many moons ago, I was a, uh, chef. I, I worked many years as a line cook and then worked my way up to executive chef of this restaurant. Um, and so I worked in restaurants for like 10 years and, um, so, like, you know, it was always a big thing when you don't get a lot of uh, restaurant movies. You get Babette's Feast. You get, you know, The Big Night, which is which is good. Uh, you get Waiting, uh, which is talking about problematic, but still Ooh, funny. Yeah, yeah. Fun as hell. <laughs> I mean, Ryan Reynolds, my God, he's chasing a child anyways. Uh, <laughs> but here, here's the thing. Waiting and, and Chef are so accurate. I've heard that about both. Yeah, I've heard like people in the restaurant business waiting. It, it, you know, people get the jokes or whatever, but but people have said, well, that is what it's like to work in a restaurant. So it's yeah. Ex- yeah, it is. And and with the thing with chef is like waiting is mostly front of the house, you know, wait staff type mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, with chef, like we're primarily following the kitchen crew and 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 chef played by uh, John Favreau and then his. Sous chef played by John Leguizamo. Mm-hmm. And it is, I mean, he obviously um, did lots of research and went through training um, because how they do things in chef and, and how they show it is exactly how it goes in a restaurant. It is like the cooking scenes in, I've, I've always said Babette's Feast um, has the best like cooking scenes. Um, that was until I saw chef. I think like the scene where Favreau is making his son, uh, grilled cheese. Holy shit. It is like the tastiest looking <laughs> grilled cheese you've ever seen in your life. Or like when he, well, okay, sorry, I, I'm rambling, but That's I, okay. <laughs> I, I this movie so much. Okay. Real quick. The cast. Okay. You got Favreau, you got Liguizamo, you got Bobby Cannavale, you got ScarJo, you got Sofia Varga, uh, Vergara, you got Dustin Hoffman as the restaurant owner, Robert Downey Jr., um, Amy Sedaris, Oliver Platt as the restaurant critic, Ramsey Michelle. Um, but it feels like Favreau just got his friends together. You know, this is post Iron Man. Uh, what did he direct Two? I, I don't even know. He, he directed, he directed the first two. Yeah. Okay, so this is so he's he's developed this relationship with uh, RDJ, and he's like, you know, we're friends with, you know, some really cool people. Let's just get together, and I'm gonna write this script. I'm gonna learn how to cook real quick, and then we're gonna make this really fun movie. So, you know, it's kind of a uh, a rebirth or a um, oh, for God's sakes, I'm I'm uh, brain farting on the word here. Um, 
but you know it, it's a fall from grace but then he, he he comes he comes back at the end it's a father son relationship type of story um but it's so inspiring oh anyway so so back to you know uh, working a decade in the restaurant i go and see this and this movie is so inspiring so inspiring to cook uh, but it's not inspiring enough for me to actually want to work in restaurants again because that's <laughs> absolute freaking hell. Um, but like you watch this movie and you're like, I want to I want to cook shit at home. Like I, I want to make all this mm-hmm. cool looking shit. Um, anyways, uh, the, you know, it it really borders. It borders on sappy. It borders on tear inducing, you know, the father son thing. Um, but it never crosses the line. It never quite goes there, which is why I love it so much. It's incredible. It is so, so, so funny. Um, but like I said, it's the most genuine and sweetest movie. Um, honestly, it's the most genuine movie I can think of. And uh, again, incredibly rewatchable. And so I think about that paired with matinee. And I mean, you just have two incredibly sweet, tender, like genuine, pure movies uh, with, you know, there's no real drama involved. You know, it's just they're both so, so easy to watch. I mean, it sounds like a very like delightful double feature. Like I want to do this now. <laughs> like I want to yeah. go watch these. And it's funny you say there's no drama because I was gonna, at matinee. I was going to say this that it's such a simple story, but the Cuban Missile Crisis is looming over everything. It's That's huge. the weird. It's, it's but it still feels like this small, simple story with that playing in the background. But there's so much other stuff going on. But it still feels so simple. And there's not really like a villain that you know i mean obviously the yeah. whole it's it's just like and the same thing with chef i feel like i don't remember there being like a villain there's a critic at the beginning i think that he hates that he he goes off on the restaurant um but it's there's a lot of um yeah like a lot of just stuff but it's not uh, it's just a delightful simple little story but there's just all these nice things going on and uh it's the thing about chef too that's a couple things that are funny i want one of those it's called a cubano right i want one yeah. of those sandwiches so bad Every time I watch it, I think I can't watch it if I'm if I haven't eaten because uh, I will just want to. I'm just so hungry. Uh, and he makes it look so simple, too. I'm like, I could make a Cubano at home, but I probably couldn't. But I just no, think I could. No, no it, it is super simple. And you know what? Uh, so we're we're sitting down. I'm, I'm typing my notes out for the podcast last night. Bobby's on her phone. And uh, we're, we're kind of also putting together a grocery list because we go grocery shopping on Mondays. And she's like, oh, well, we got to have Cubans this week. And so that's <laughs> on the menu. Like we're having Cubans on Friday night. So, you oh. know, that's uh, I'm telling you, you watch this movie. And you're like, I got to eat that. I got to eat that. Yeah. I got that. But but that's that's the thing. Like he makes this pasta dish for for Scarlett Johansson with just uh, uh, sliced up garlic and some some crushed red pepper and olive oil. And then he tosses in some pasta and that's it. And like he shows how easy cooking can be uh and how freaking delicious like easy cooking is and uh, you know that's that's always that's a big thing for me like people are like oh i I don't know how to cook and i'm like yes you do cooking is super easy watch chef and then do exactly (laughs) what he does i'm telling you that's that's how you do it yeah yeah no it is it's great it's really inspiring i remember that was a movie i was really surprised by because i think i just heard a little bit of good buzz i threw it on netflix and was so into it uh like to me it is like it's uh, it's either perfect or near perfect i haven't watched it in a while i need to go back and watch it again but i do remember thinking like right off the bat it's one i don't do this a lot but 
if I watch a movie the first time and I want to give it like five stars on Letterboxd right away, I'm like, that's special. Cause I don't do that a lot with a movie. I just watch for the first yeah. time, but, yeah. but I love chef. And I, I gotta say one thing about chef. I have a funny story about this. So, um, I don't tell my mom to watch a lot of movies, but I remember somehow it came up, uh, this is a while ago now that I was like, I was like, Oh, she was asking me some movies to watch. And I said, Oh, you should watch, um, chef on Netflix. Think you would like it. And she, uh, I sat down with her for a little bit of it. And she was doing like the mom thing where she asked me all these questions about who's who and who's that. <laughs> and uh, um, so she's like, so who's who's this main guy? He looks familiar. I'm like, oh, it's John Favreau. She goes, what do I know him from? I'm like, well, he acted, but now he kind of writes and directs. And I'm like, he wrote and directed this. And she's like, and <laughs> she, it's a great joke, my mom. Then she goes, oh, and his ex-wife is Sofia Vergara and his mistress is Scarlett Johansson. Oh, he definitely wrote this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's. Oh, uh, there's a joke uh, they play because Favreau, you know, he has bulked up over the years, but they they write that joke into when Oliver Platt writes his review, like Favreau's going to cook him this like huge meal. They they bring in a side of pig and like it's going to be this <laughs> this whole thing. And like Dustin Hoffman plays a perfect restaurant owner who comes in and says, no, 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 fuck that. I'm the restaurant owner. You're going to do what I say. We're going to do just the normal shit. And so Favreau puts out the normal shit. They do the review and uh, Oliver Platt like ends his review like chiding Favreau's character on like oh and this must be why he's put on so much weight over the years. <laughs> oh, it's no. so funny like Favreau <laughs> no like and that's don't you just love John Favreau like the guy he just seems so sweet and like he can take a joke and you know for God's sakes he's making the Mandalorian for, he, he can do everything oh yeah no he gets major points for that no he does I, I just had to give him a hard time because I think a lot of people joked him about that and I think he knows he wrote the movie he knows what he did so yeah. <laughs> I like him a lot it's just it's just a funny thing but um yeah he seems very likable it seems like everyone who's worked with him really likes him so yeah. that says a lot no chef is great I really want to do that double now and I could I could watch matinee whenever I could watch chef whenever I might need to watch chef first eat dinner then watch uh, <laughs> watch matinee perfect top thorn yeah yeah, um, yeah 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 perfect oh matinee also made me really miss movie theaters because there's a part where john goodman walks uh the kid through the movie theater and he's just describing it and just oh god sorry i we might come back someday down the road and do a whole podcast on just matinee yeah <laughs> hell yeah i'm down for uh, that. i have so much to say and that blu-ray is great by the way when you get that blu-ray there's so many good special features good. um you get the full version of mant but i think it's only like 20 30 minutes but they shot a lot of stuff for mant yeah, but uh, it's it's so good. And uh, funny thing about uh, matinee really quick before we move on. But um, I watched a little bit of it today when I had the Blu-ray on. And Joe Dante said that because um, I was thinking, like, how did they make this movie? Because it's so niche. Like it, yeah. it, we just talked about Ed Wood last week on the show. And I remember thinking, how did he get the money for this? And right. matinee was the same way. And um, yeah, and I looked up and Joe Dante on the interview says that he had like independent funding coming because he couldn't get any studio to do it. So, but then, then Universal was going to distribute it, and then their funding like never came. Like Universal was fronting them the money, and they'd already shot like a few weeks and had taken all this money. And Joe Dante's like, "Well, do you want to shelve it, or you want to finish it?" So, um, they they finished it, and it it didn't do well. They make its money back, but I thought that was kind of a funny. Like, thank God he got to make it because it's a great movie. But, um, but yeah, just a side story about matinee. But well, yeah, um, you know, speaking of you know Colton movies i think matinee is like a perfect version of a modern cult movie oh yeah and uh there's a few of these that i actually was thinking because i was thinking of your podcast in my head that i'm like these are kind of modern cult movies um especially See, that's one the, mm -hmm. yeah that's the fun thing i i like i like thinking of 
like would this modern movie be a cult movie and i think you know a lot of the movies uh, we're talking about uh this evening are would be considered modern cult movies yeah especially there's one i'm thinking of that i remember now that i gave you that uh that i'm like this definitely feels like a cult movie oh, because yes. yeah it's yeah. real weird uh so <laughs> but we'll get to that um okay anything else on shepherd matinee no Okay. I've talked plenty about both. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you sold everybody on them because if they haven't seen them, they're both fantastic. Yes. Um, okay. So for the next thing you gave me, I will go with, uh, and I will preface this by telling you that I hate telling you this. I did not enjoy this movie at all. Okay. And I feel very bad. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it is the Ranger from 2018 by Jen Wexler. Oh, okay. Nice. So, yes. uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, yes, uh, basically, if you haven't seen The Ranger, it is a modern day uh, slasher about this kind of group of punks that are on the run from the law. They kind of get into trouble in town and they and like, we got to get out of the city. We, you know, we've uh, I, I, they killed the cop or they hurt this cop and they have to get out of town. And uh, the main girl uh, played by Chloe Levine, who actually I do like a lot in the movie. Um, mm. She's like, well, my uncle had this cabin way out in the woods. We can go out there and hide out. So they go there to hide out, and then they run into this uh, totally psychotic park ranger uh, <laughs> who is the the slasher villain of the movie. Um, and since it's a slasher, I don't think it's a spoiler to say they start getting killed off. Um, but uh, yeah, I, okay. So <laughs> I had watched this for the first time, I think, a year or two ago. It's on Shudder. It's been on Shudder. I think it's Shudder exclusive. Um, and I didn't really care for it, but uh, you gave it to me and I said, I don't really remember it that well. Let me watch it again. <laughs> and <laughs> I want you to know how much this pains me to tell. I was going to almost, I was, I can't lie to the man and say I liked it. I can't do no, it. So I, I think that's, that's what's fun about the exercise. Like we're, <laughs> We might not like, I mean, I, I love the surprises. Like, who knows? You might not like the movies I give you. And lo and behold. <laughs> <laughs> so and it's it's funny because I feel like I should like it because I love slashers. Um, I enjoy a lot of modern horror movies. It, sure. it, it has like a neon aesthetic I'm always really into. It's got punks. That's always fun. But like, I think it comes down to I just hate every single character in the movie, <laughs> uh, except for the main girl chloe levine um but like i feel like (laughs) i feel like i don't like them i don't like their acting i feel like there's a there's an aesthetic to it i don't really like though i don't it's weird because i like there's some neon touches it's kind of like feeling like 80s apparently i read an interview with her she said it's not set in any specific time but she said it was like just the vibe of the 80s but um i just i don't know i just didn't like the look or the feel of it i cannot i couldn't get into it um i do really like the last 10 15 minutes when things really kind of ramp up um and it's just basically her versus the ranger um but otherwise i just i just couldn't get into it i'm sorry no well so here here's the thing um i i th- think let's see here i love larry fessenden and glass eye picks mm-hmm. and um watching and so he he you know jen wexler is a uh, fessenden protege and uh he produced this and so like i watch lots of fessenden produced uh things with you know uh maybe rose rose colored glasses maybe um I like, I like uh, the, 
the indie part of making indie horror, like just getting out there and just doing it however you can do it, you know? And that's why I think I love the battery so much. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, these guys just went out and just, they had nothing, but they still made this awesome movie. And like uh, the Ranger, I think that's one of the reasons uh, I liked it. Uh, I will say this though. I probably won't watch it again because of the reasons you're saying i hated <laughs> hated all the characters yeah <laughs> uh, which you know i think when you're dealing with punk characters uh not necessarily likable characters i mean the i i i was considered a punk uh in my high school days and like post high school days um but i don't feel like we were that despicable you know i feel like <laughs> we're more like the green room mm-hmm. punks um but uh uh yeah, I probably, I mean, I'm nervous. I, I don't want to say I won't watch it again. I'm nervous to watch it again for all the reasons you're saying. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird because I can't even fully put my finger on why I dislike it as much as I do. Because um, it should be up my alley. I don't I don't know. I just feel like I'm not connecting to it at all. And it just like really was putting me off for some reason. Like it, it probably comes down to like most of those characters you spend most of your time with. And I, I, I don't know. It's not even a long movie. That's the funny thing. It's like not even an hour and 20 minutes <laughs> and it's, it's not. So I was like, cool. It's only an hour, 18 minutes or whatever. You know, it's like, that'll fly by. But, um, <laughs> just, I don't know. It, it's, it's, I, it's a mystery to me. Honestly, I don't know. It just really, um, and I've seen lots of good reviews for it, people that I, uh, that I always follow and like respect and I like their opinions on letterbox. We usually agree, but it was like, I'm like on an island on this one. I feel there are some people I saw didn't like it, but but yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. I, I can't I can't even tell you. That's I, so, yeah. yeah, no, no. I mean, I thought I, I thought I would like it on a second viewing. I was like, I'll like it better this time. I think I liked it worse. Oh, so I apologize, but uh, nothing against you. A lot of people like this movie. Um, uh, funny enough, I was talking to uh, our friend Daniel Epler, and he was telling me he loves it. So. I was like, okay, hey, maybe it's just me. Huh. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think it's just you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's yeah, it's weird. I should like it. Um, I forgot to mention Larry Fessenden is in it a little bit too. Yeah. Um, oh, and there's some good gore effects. There was some good practical, like the kills were good. Um, but the yeah, one could get know. cut in half. I, yes, I yeah, think right? so. Yeah, I that, was, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I mean, you you could tell like a lot of it happens in the dark, and so they're kind of cutting corners. Like, okay, we're we can't fully light this because it doesn't look the best. Um, but again, you know, that's kind of that punk rock attitude. Like, we're just going to go out and make this thing, and so you know that I can respect totally. Yeah, and the funny thing is, <laughs> I feel like you know I watch so many slashers, and I like slashers, but and usually the the characters aren't super likable because they they probably they don't usually want them to be because they're going to be killed off. You know what I mean? So it's like they don't have a lot of depth. These people like actively annoyed me. I don't know what it was. I remember thinking <laughs> Chloe Levine, the main girl was like, just leave these people. They are assholes. Yeah, why is she hanging out with them? That's what I kept thinking the whole time. Like That blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, get away from these people. Like, what are you doing? Because I like her, but my God, she's with a horrible crew. And I'm just like, get out of here. I I don't know. I, I don't think I'll revisit it again, but who knows? I've said that before about movies and, you know, I could turn around on it. Who knows? I don't know. But, listen, so, listen, I, I've done that with Puppet Master. Uh, I've oh. gone back to it four times and each time I've hated it more and more and more. I'm like this. I mean, obviously, like this is a beloved classic in the horror crowd. I, I got to love it. 
nope, I hate it more and more each time I watch it. And I'll probably watch it again thinking, okay, this is the time. So, yeah, don't, don't, don't watch The Ranger again. It's just going to get worse and worse. Okay. All right. I think I think two times. I can't waste too much time watching it over and over. But then I'll be like, it's an hour, 18 minutes. Maybe it'll get better. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. I think it would play better with a crowd, like in a theater at midnight sure. or something, yeah. you know. So, um, okay. So... I didn't, I really know I, this was literally a, a game time decision. I will call it on what to do with this because I had two options. I didn't know which way to go. Um, but I ended up landing on class of 1984 from 1982. It's confusing, but, <laughs> but class 1984, I went the whole like punks versus authority angle. Sure. Although in this, it's kind of flipped because we're rooting for the authority figure who is a, a teacher played by Peter King. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, who comes to this new school that is like just, ridiculously terribly overrun with violence and crime like it's the worst school i think i've ever seen in a movie um uh it's horrible and th- it, things escalate very quickly between him and this gang led by an actor that i was not familiar with named timothy van Patten, uh who's a real asshole and his gang are just they're all the worst but you're supposed to hate them so that's good um it goes to these it kind of starts off like it get it really escalates in a nice way. It, it ends up going these insane places where I remember the first time I watched a couple years ago, I did not expect it to get like as dark and as messed up as it does. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but it has. I I really don't want to spoil it. If people haven't seen it, but it has this like crazy, awesome cathartic ending. Yes, <laughs> I almost stood up and cheered the first time I watched it. I was like, "Yeah, like, like it's oh, it's so good." Um, and funny enough, Roddy McDowell's also in this movie. Second that's appearance actually, tonight. Second appearance of Roddy McDowell. He's a fellow teacher, and he has one of my favorite scenes in the movie. He just like snaps at one point. Um, he can't take it anymore. He's been there for a long time. <laughs> he's like, at one point, he pulls a gun on his class, and it's yeah. like freaking out. And then there's a scene where he just like drives down this street he sees him i think and he's just trying to take him out with a car i won't say what happens but he's like screaming i remember just like loving that he had this insane like he he just goes like he looks completely insane when he does this it's kind of amazing but um yeah i rewatched that again day and i almost i was i almost went with just before dawn because it was oh. like a slasher in the woods it has and a crazy sure, ending sure um between the girl and the the slasher has this crazy ending um that kind of reminded me of the end of the ranger a little bit um and it's funny because i wouldn't even thought about class 1984 but i had to look up um uh interviews with jen wexler because i'm like what influenced her because i mean i I wasn't quite sure and she said class 1984 so i was like okay i see where i see where that makes sense um so yeah, Class ninety four is pretty great it it's a really kind of crazy movie um but yeah, have you have you seen this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. It is it is exactly uh, how you said. It's very dark. It's very grungy. It's um like uh, I I don't know. Have you seen uh, Penelope Spheris's uh, Suburbia before? I have not. Which actually was the other thing Jan Watcher said influenced The Ranger. Funny enough. Okay. <laughs> um, but Suburbia, like, and Class of nineteen eighty four, two movies about punks, but. Uh, they are so dark and so really depressing. Uh, uh, suburbia depressing because we're kind of following these kids around. Uh, class of 1984 depressing because um, you're thinking this teacher played by Perry King. It, like, why? How? Like, you know, you know, it, it's it's sort of you know 
they they really sanitize it later in the you know with the substitute and um the what's the michelle pfeiffer one oh um dangerous minds dangerous mind yeah, yeah. the cool song you know they they really <laughs> sanitize it but like class of 1984 like is down and dirty and depressing as fuck and <laughs> like so uh nerve-wracking um because like you you start feeling <laughs> like how roddy mcdowell uh, is feeling in the movie uh, like how can these people do this and like it I, I don't know if uh, you know things are ever that bad uh, but I know like there are lots of schools and teachers that have to put up with lots of crap uh, from this because you know they're so understaffed or whatever the deal is um, but yeah it, it's class of 1984 I liked it uh, one that I'm not, you know, jumping to watch again anytime soon. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I don't love it, but it uh, and I wouldn't watch it too much because, yeah, it gets pretty dark at the end. But um, yeah, it's weird. It predates all those like tough school movies by like a good 10 years. because This is early yeah. 80s. So I don't know what happened in the 90s that every there were so many of those like, oh, I'm in a tough school. But rarely do they get as like messed up as class of 1984 gets. Oh no! Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you, they don't even touch last of nineteen eighty-four. Also, we should mention uh, early, early, early Michael J. Fox. Oh yes. Oh, I think I'm glad you. I had. I forgot to write a note about him. He. I looked it up. He's twenty, but he looks twelve. Oh like, my he god! Looks well, I mean, a child. He's what? Almost maybe. What is he? Sixty or so now? He still looks like he's freaking thirty. Right. You know, he's he's the youngest looking man in the world. But yeah, God, he plays. I think this is his. He was in his first movie was Midnight Madness. He'd been doing, you know, TV stuff. Um, but this was, yeah, like his first kind of bigger role. Uh, but God, he is such a baby in this movie. Such a baby. It's crazy. And then like only a, uh, a couple years later, he's been back to the future. But I think he like lost the baby fat or something because he he does look older in that. But he looks like a 12 year old kid. Like he like he yeah. looks so young. It's crazy. Um yeah, it's it's a fun movie. Well, I could say it's a fun movie, but it's <laughs> no, no, no. It, I, I it's think yeah, fun I, but messed up. Yeah, <laughs> totally recommend it for sure. Yeah, like something like have you ever seen One Eight Seven with Sam Jackson? Uh, no, that's like a really dark, messed up teacher okay. bad school movie. That is nothing like this. Is more like exploitation. Sure, uh, that's more like a drama, but really messed up. Like, ooh, yeah, I don't know if I like that movie, but it's uh, you you remember it because it's like, oh, this is terrible. So, um, but yeah, Class ninety four. If you haven't seen it, that one's uh, that one's that one's different. It's it's interesting. <laughs> so, cool. yeah, that's a good pairing. I like it. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, what I guess now we're on the the last one I gave you. So okay, so here's here's the one you were uh, alluding to before about uh, modern cult, and it is uh, from. The director of The Crow, Alex Proyas, uh, this is his follow-up from 1998, Dark City, uh, with an incredible cast, Rufus mm-hmm. Sewell, uh, William Hurt, Kiefer Sutherland, Jennifer Connelly, Richard O'Brien from Rocky Horror, uh, Melissa George in uh, maybe her first U.S. role, I can't remember, um, but incredible cast, uh, I had told you... Uh, I had watched this. This is one of my wife's uh, favorite movies of all time. And so we had watched this when we first start, you know, because you start dating someone. You're like, OK, I want to, you know, get to know you. Show me the music you like and show me the movies you like and the TV, blah, blah, blah. So this is one of the movies she showed me early on. And I was like, oh, man, I uh, I'm not big on sci fi uh, mm-hmm. in the first place. 
And so the first time I watched this, I was like, I, you know, I'm just, I'm not into it at all. Um, and at that point, so that's, I don't know, 14 or 15, maybe years ago. Um, and you know, I had just really started kind of, uh, really getting into movies. Um, and so, you know, I was never watching anything from a, from, you know, maybe an analytical point of view or, or, uh, you know, a making of point of view or whatever. So I was excited to rewatch this when you gave it to me, uh, because I had, uh, on, on a, an earlier podcast I used to do called homeschool film school, where I tell the making of stories of movies. I had done one on the crow oh. and, mm-hmm. uh, talked about Alex Proyas and, and did a lot of background on him and a super interesting guy, um, you know, came up through, uh, Fincher's, uh, studio, you know, shooting commercials and stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, did the crow and had, you know, of course I was, uh, awfully tragic with uh, the death of Brandon Lee. And anyway, so he, he comes on dark city and he'd been trying to get this made for years and years and years and years. And, uh, I love Alex Proyas because he is such, he has such an imagination and he knows how to translate that imagination onto screen by shooting like miniatures and models. And so like you get a lot of cool shots of like model trains, um, zooming by or, or miniatures of, of this dark city, uh, which are just stunningly beautiful there. I mean, it's perfectly shot. Um, now here's the thing. I didn't, I didn't not like it. Uh, like I did the first time. It's still not my favorite. I think it, it's, it's, it, you know, it just, it goes a little too much fantasy kind of superhero. We for me at the end, um, you know, it's kind of a, well, I, I won't say it. I don't want to spoil it for anyone yeah, yeah. <laughs> that has seen it. But, um, uh, you know, it's interesting. Jennifer Connelly, uh, bless her heart. I just, you know, other than uh, career opportunities, which, you know, finally getting that Blu-ray from Kino. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't love her. And I know she's so good, but, you know, and I, I just I don't feel her in this. Like, she doesn't feel like she's into the role at all. Um, Kiefer <laughs> is doing the most interesting thing where he says three words and then he takes a breath after everything <laughs> he says and he's playing his dad, Donald Sutherland, uh, from backdraft. That's what, that's what he's playing oh, this creepy, okay. like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know that for sure, but like, that's kind of how I relate it. Um, but I like it when Kiefer, you know, kind of does interest, like he makes choices, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, he's, he's the Jack, uh, whatever from 24. He's just that character. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, this is, you know, uh, l- this is pre 2000. And so Kiefer is still kind of doing some interesting things. Um, uh, Rufus Sewell, always good. I think he plays a better villain, uh, but he's very good in this. Um, you know, the strangers, the bad guys, uh, with uh, Richard O'Brien, of course, from Rocky Horror, uh, kind of as the, the lead, uh, guy. Um, and then, you know, they're trying to track down Rufus Sewell to inject this stuff into his brain because they're, they have this like mind control, um, 
they're they're pumping they're creating false memories for people and like swapping memories um and creating this kind of false world um and it's it's very again imaginative i think proyas does a great job at getting it i mean it's a huge vision and he gets it on screen i think he does a great job getting it on screen um but these (laughs) so the strangers are the ones that are kind of like running things underground and and uh, they're so creepy. You know, they mm-hmm. communicate like uh, the chattering Cenobite from uh, Hellraiser. Um, I mean, and like when it shows them underground, like they're in Cenobite costumes. It's really interesting. Um, but the city, you know, it's 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 totally a neo-noir. Um, you know, it's like yeah. Gotham City. It's a really cool world. Beautiful production design. The sets, the art design, super cool. Um, but... This is one that I I will keep going back to because uh, there's a lot to see in it. And, you know, if you can really appreciate, again, the art of it. And I think Proyas is so good at, man, delivering what he sees in his head, you know? Yeah, a uh, uh, lot to say about this. So <laughs> it's like, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I wish Alex Proyas got to make more movies after this. It has. Um, it's it's heartbreaking to me that after the crow and this, he's, he wasn't making movies like constantly. I don't know. I can't remember. I know he made some, we called like gods of Egypt yeah. a few years ago, which I never saw. And I didn't really want to, but uh, in between that and dark city, I don't know how much he did. I think he made a movie or two, um, but he's such a good visual director. Um, like you said, and I, okay, dark city. So <laughs> I put this, I gave you this movie, because I'd really want to talk about it at some point. And I thought for this, it would really work well because there's a lot of angles I thought you could approach it from. It's sci-fi, yeah. it's horror, it's like, like you said, neo-noir. Um, and I was like, well, he's got a lot of ways to, to tackle it. So um, I have been like obsessed with this movie since I was very young because there was something I watched all the time and it must have been a New Line movie because it's a New Line movie. And this trailer was always on before whatever that was that I was watching. And I was obsessed with just this trailer. Like, I couldn't get the movie. <laughs> and the trailer for this was so creepy and mysterious. And the stranger scared the shit out of me. I was like, I was always like, what is that movie? Because they really, and I feel so bad for Dark City because I always feel like it walked so the Matrix could run. And I feel oh, like it. 100%. It took all the bullets and like, you know, it's not as flashy or as like cool as the Matrix, but it comes out one year before and there's so much stuff that they're kind of doing similarly. And I feel like people say, oh, I, the Matrix is so confusing. Like Dark City is, I think, to, to a common audience, like much more confusing. <laughs> like there's a lot happening in Dark City. Um, and it's funny because I just rewatched it again. I watched it today and I do love this movie still, but some of there were some cracks starting to show. I guess I'll say it, it mm-hmm. had lost a little bit of luster for me. Um, like the ending kind of turns into like kind of a, not a great CGI battle. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and it's it is it feels more disjointed than I even remembered, um, which I think is kind of the point. I mean, I don't know if you did you watch the director's cut or the actual cut? You know, no, it's the theatrical cut and, and Mike said you should watch the director's cut because it's much better yeah it it is and i don't i was thinking today i was like have i ever actually watched the theatrical because i rented the dvd and i'm pretty sure that had both cuts and uh i don't think i ever watched i'm not sure and uh the theatrical starts off on a bad note because it has narration from keeper sutherland that kind of gives away the uh, not the whole just gives you too much right off the bat because the studio was like this is too confusing. 
have some narration. <laughs> so it's already kind of, uh, but and I don't know if people listen to this or not. This really helped me appreciate the movie more when I was, even when I was younger, I remember Roger Ebert does commentary on this because he named it his favorite movie in 1998. Which oh my is, gosh. Yeah. Like, I mean, people were like, I think at the time people were like, what are you doing? Like, I think they were like, what? Night Dark City. Um, but uh, he does a commentary on it. It's a great commentary because he calls out so many little details that I had never thought about. Um, I think he did a shot by shot breakdown because he used to do these like, I think it was at UVA in my state. It was at the University of Virginia. He'd come here and do every year, I think, a movie and sit with a crowd and do a scene by scene breakdown. Yep. And I'm pretty sure he did one with this. So he knew everything about it. And he was yeah. pointing out all this stuff and all these references to other movies. Like there's a lot of like Metropolis in here and um, just stuff with like film noir and other sci-fi. And it's funny you brought up the Jennifer Connelly performance because he, I think, I think I remember this right. Ebert defended her and William Hurt, a couple other people their performances are kind of wooden, but because of what's happening to them in the movie, he thinks that's a choice, and the director told them to act like that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, so. I, I, I can see that. Um, I think, I, I don't know what it is about William Hurt. Uh, he, <laughs> it took many years for him to grow on me, because he doesn't do, you know, I mean, he he primarily just does William Hurt. You know, he, he does The <laughs> Village and, and does an interesting uh, accent in that. Um, which is a movie I actually like, but you know, William Hurt does William Hurt, and I kind of feel like Jennifer Connelly does Jennifer Connelly. Uh, but but for some reason, I can dig William Hurt doing William Hurt, but still cannot get into Connelly doing Connelly. <laughs> it, it may just be that I'm in love with Jennifer Connelly and maybe giving her a pass. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how can you not be? She's beautiful. When I was like how old Rocketeer came out and I was like five or six and saw the Rocketeer and I was like immediately in love with Jennifer Connelly. I feel it was like the first woman I was ever like in love with. And, you know, um, I feel like it set my type for like my whole life, like dark haired, beautiful women. Uh, so like I, I love Jennifer Connelly so much. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of noticing today. She, she doesn't react to much. There's a scene where like the strangers kind of confront her and she doesn't even seem scared i'm like these people are terrifying why aren't you scared yeah <laughs> you know? just yeah. little stuff like that i mean um I, I don't want you to go back and watch it like multiple times but the other thing it's a really good blu-ray i think you, do you have the blu-ray of the dvd no it's just an old dvd, oh, okay. DVD. I, the, this this blu-ray i think i think the eber commentary is on there but the okay. blu-ray had a, a good thing that was like when i chose the director's cut it also had like a little like what do they call it? like a trivia track which i know has been done before but i don't see it that much but it's like a little pop-up in the corner that kind of tells you the differences between the that director's cut and the theatrical and it has little bits of trivia, um, which is pretty interesting. It tells you like, oh, this line was cut here. This line was added here. They added more here. Um, that's kind of interesting. And the Eber commentary, I can't say that's I, I feel like it's one of the best commentaries I've ever heard. It's fantastic. Like, well, I think it make you appreciate the movie more. <laughs> well, yeah. OK, so I'm looking at uh, this this old DVD. Um, it does have the the Ebert commentary and then uh, Proyas and. The DP. Who was the DP on this? Oh, I don't know. Da, 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 da. oh Darius Wolski. I don't know who that is. Anyways, uh, yeah, I, I am very curious. I mean, my God, Roger Ebert does some of the greatest. I mean, his Citizen Kane commentary is oh. <laughs> is the best I've ever heard. Yeah, it's so funny because I just did my um, five favorite movie episode a few yep. episodes ago, and I didn't mention in that episode how much of a Ebert fanatic I was when I was younger. Like, And I was like, how did I forget to mention Roger Ebert? I felt so bad because uh, he was a huge part of me loving movies, and uh, uh, I almost feel like it's 
well, it's not as much anymore. I feel like it was like super common, like 15 ish years ago when he was still alive to everybody I knew who liked movies was like some was like, oh, Ebert's great. You know, we all worship the altar of Ebert. But I feel like he's I mean, he's passed away. So I feel like I don't hear younger people talking about him as much. But I really always loved reading his stuff, listening to his commentaries, like um, even if I didn't agree with him, he was one of those critics. Like if I didn't agree, I still want to hear what he had to say because I felt like it came from a place of um, getting something interesting. Also, sometimes he could just be very dismissive of a movie, which I didn't like. <laughs> like uh, I can't remember an example, but sometimes right. it would make me mad because he would just I mean, kind of. He was never a fan of horror. So yeah, that always kills me. But I, that's like every critic back then. I feel like, yeah. you know, so I can't even fault him too much. If he doesn't like horror, he doesn't like horror. But um, but yeah, mostly I did love him. And like, yeah, this commentary is like one of those things where I'm just like, oh, yeah, he's great. So uh, I said to mention that I was like, how did I not mention my love for Roger Ebert? But um, but yeah, that that movie is just it's so weird. I was watching today another movie where you're like, how did this get made? Because it's so weird. I was like, audience must have been so confused, especially maybe even more in the theatrical, I'm not sure, but they, it's such a weird <laughs> movie with so many things going on. Um, but I really, I still, I do still really like it. I, I think I used to just like, think it was like, Oh, it's perfect. It's five stars. And today I was like, yeah, maybe four and a half stars. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think it, you know, it's, it shows its age for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the miniatures still look great. I, I just oh, think some God. of the, yeah, <laughs> the special effects stuff, there's like some, I don't know what to call it. They call it tuning, I believe. It was like some mental stuff that kind of looks like kind of bad CGI. But but yeah, the miniature stuff still looks great. It's pretty amazing. It's a real like vision of a movie. Like it's just, um, I mean, it's just something special where I'm like, this movie, it's a miracle got made, honestly, is what it feels like. So No, oh my God, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So, okay, uh, I was just looking up. Um, it could, so... Uh, like you said, there's so many directions I could go with this. Um, the Truman Show came out in 1998 as well, uh, huh. which is really interesting because there, you know, there's a lot of parallels there. Um, but like I said, there, you know, there's there's this really strong noir aspect of it. So I was thinking, you know, maybe Sin City. You go Memento. You go any old noir. <laughs> uh, Batman. Uh, you could do a William Hurt double with Altered States. Um, which is, uh, if you haven't seen Altered States, watch Altered States. Uh, you could do a Croyus to, double yeah. <laughs> with The Crow. Uh, Kiefer double with Flatliners, uh, I think, would work really well. Uh, but then I started saying, okay, Seven, uh, Doctor Strange could work. I'm, I'm not even a Marvel movie guy. Uh, and I'm going to run through. There's there's a lot of movies I'm going to run through here real quick. <laughs> I'm not even a Marvel movie guy. And I think Doctor Strange uh, and this could work. Uh, same for Inception, uh, you know, oh, with yeah. kind of the changing of the cities. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, uh, the matrix, well, you know, that was on your top five, uh, one of your top five movies, um, uh, even 30 days of night, I think just cause it's all set at night, uh, okay. city of Ember, which is a good, um, kind of family movie with Tim Robbins, uh, which is really good. You could do eternal sunshine of the spotless mind or shutter Island. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, there was one movie that I, it was the first thing. So uh, we were uh, messaging back and forth. Game of these movies. It was the first movie that came in my head. And it's the one that, that ended up sticking for some reason. And that is uh, Nacho Vigalondo's first feature, Time Crimes from 2007. Have you seen it? No, I've heard about it forever. It's on my list. I just haven't, I haven't got to it yet. <laughs> okay, so this is... Uh, you want to talk about confusing and strange. Uh, you cannot 
not pay attention. Like, put your phone away when you're watching time crimes. Otherwise, you're going to get completely fucking lost. Um, it's a time hop movie. Um, it is uh, a neo-noir from Spain. Um, you know, I think Nacho Vigalondo is such a stylish director. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's funny. It is, again incredibly strange and imaginative that's the other thing uh, that was the first thing that came to my head knowing how imaginative alex Preuss is um and was with dark city and how imaginative nacho vigilando is uh with his movies you know this colossal i think you know it's not a great movie but it's very imaginative um but you know, time crimes definitely benefits from multiple watches, so you can really keep up with what's going on. Essentially, what what the movie is about, you have this guy uh, who gets home from work, and he's he's married, and uh, he's sitting out on you know on his patio or whatever, and he's got binoculars, and you know he's kind of just looking around. They kind of live out in the middle of nowhere. And he's looking around, he sees this topless girl, and then he sees, like, this kind of ominous figure in the woods, uh, which is kind of one of the most famous images of the wrapped in a pink bandage, and he's, like, making, you know, binoculars with his with his uh, hands, uh, looking back at the dude with the binoculars. And so it... it I, that's about all I'm going to say with this because it is so creative and it goes to places <laughs> you, you think you go in knowing that it's a time hop movie, um, but expect time hop movie like uh, snorting a huge, huge rail of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> wow well that that sold it right there <laughs> that's that like, one line i mean um, it, it, it is you you have to you really have to follow what's going on um and i mean i just imagine uh vigilando shooting this like for continuity issues like trying to keep track of everything just like makes my brain all gooey <laughs> um but it, it is you know i i think uh a lot of genre fans are like uh you know oh, it's it's on my list i i really want to see it uh you should see it immediately because uh you know i don't think a lot of people have seen it and um it is i, I don't know it's just it's such it's one of a kind it's one of a kind that's all i can say about it Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I just double checked. It, it is on my list on IMDb. I was like, I added to the watch list. So it was already on there. I uh I will look for it if it's streaming somewhere to to watch. I uh I remember yeah, I just I think I was uh kind of taken by the the look of the guy. He has these like these pink bandages, like you said. Um and I was like, What is this? I can't remember even heard about it, but yeah, it's on my list. I, I will have to check it out. The the time hot movie did a uh, rail of cocaine really sold <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'm on board um no that sounds that sounds great um so any anything else on on those two uh no that's it oh okay uh, i definitely check that out that sounds very interesting um okay so yeah we're at the last the last uh, one here um so the last movie you gave me if you remember was <laughs> i do remember this one okay uh <laughs> um <laughs> Maybe my favorite of the yeah I, I, it's my favorite of the three. Um, yeah, and it was one that I had liked, I'd seen before, but I liked it even more this time. And that yes. is 
Invasion USA, uh, yeah. directed by Joseph Zito, starring Chuck Norris. <laughs> uh, wow, what a what an insane, insane movie! This is pure canon craziness. Uh, <laughs> that that is shockingly mean spirited, even for them. <laughs> like Jesus, um, uh, it's okay if you haven't seen Invasion USA. Uh, so Chuck Norris, <laughs> Chuck Norris, is basically our only hope against a an army of what appears to be about 200 guys who, who storm who storm the United States through a beach in Florida, I believe, and hop into moving vans and and go across the country to try to take over. And uh, I made the joke on Letterboxd about like, so what's their plan? 200 guys are going to take over the United States. And the, of course, the first comment, I didn't even think about this. Someone was like, I mean, they probably could take in the Capitol building. I'm like, well, you're probably right. That's like, <laughs> timely. Yeah, timely. So I, it was weird. I watched this right after all that craziness at the Capitol building, and it was a little bit weird watching this. Okay. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, I don't. Yeah, this one's crazy because it's like I, I'm still unclear about who's organizing this invasion. I mean, Richard Lynch is the bad guy. Um, he's fantastic. I think he might be our favorite part of the movie. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's him, and I, it seems like a group of like terrorists from all over the world. Um, and they're just going to cause like chaos in the streets, which actually, I mean, it's crazy and goofy as the movie is the idea of like the terrorists would just drive down a suburban street and start blowing up houses. is kind so of terrifying. Scary. It's scary. I'm like, I'm, I always think about stuff like this and I don't even want to like, think it or say it out loud because I'm like, shit, what did they actually do? <laughs> yeah, Cause I thought like the, the scariest thing they could do is just go to like a neighborhood and start, you know, doing this kind of stuff. And, and invasion USA shows you that. And I'm like, well, this is terrifying. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the movie doesn't even give a shit. They're killing families they're killing oh kids. God. They're killing everybody. It's... And like me, I, I mean, you know, I have a wife and two children and I'm like, my God, this could this happen? I don't know. <laughs> it's scary. It's like it. It's yeah. It. It. I thought about that for years, like since I was a little kid, and like you know, um, it's just like I've had this weird fear of like, oh my God, what if terrorists just came into our neighborhood? And like, uh, and this movie does it. I remember it's like, and it's so. I will say I, this isn't really a. It's kind of a spoiler, but but uh, there's a part you know, when they go to the neighborhood. This is how mean this movie is that there's a family who's outside decorating their tree. Oh. And they show you this cute little girl who is like so her family goes inside and she's still on the ladder with the tree and the terrorists are there. And the movie takes the time to show you like because you think, oh, she'll be OK because she's still outside. Yep. And the movie says, no, no. Then they call her into the house. Then the terrorists blow up. The then they, yeah, exactly. But but then I think they do have a quick shot of the girl being carried out. She looks like she's alive. But I think her whole family's dead. So, you know, it's like, oh, that's great for her. Um, <laughs> insanely. I mean, I like I almost feel bad liking as much as I do. But um, there is too. <laughs> but I love canon. So this is right up. the. You know, it's it's them. And Man, I got to mention. I want to talk about cocaine. This is canon oh. doing a huge rail of cocaine. Oh, my God. Yes, and thank you. We're gonna make this movie. (laughs) You also, speaking of cocaine, you put me perfectly in. I think I had to mention this whole part that the first time I saw this, I think my hands were on my head, uh, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Because there's a scene early on where Richard Lynch um, goes in this office, and it's Billy Drago. He's interrogating like Billy (laughs) Drago, and there's a woman in Billy Drago's office, and so (laughs) Richard Lynch is threatening the guy, and this woman goes down to do a line of coke 
Richard Lynch smashes her face down <laughs> and then puts a gun down Billy Drago's pants and just shoots him in the dick, I believe, and then throws that woman out the window. <laughs> I was screaming. I was like, what in the... Like, it blew me away. I was this is mind-blowing. What is happening? Um, so that's early on. I'm like, this movie is not playing around uh and then they just keep doing things where it's like they're not playing around and i'm like jesus christ Chuck, you better hurry up or they are gonna like do yeah. a lot of damage and there's this great thing about richard lynch um has like nightmares about chuck norris yeah <laughs> where, where um chuck norris keeps telling him like wake up time to die and then kills him <laughs> in the and it's like richard lynch is so scared of just chuck norris that he sends guys out of their group to just go kill chuck norris which is hilarious to me that everybody's like we can't divert from the plan what are you doing and then he's like we've got to kill this guy he'll ruin everything (laughs) and guess what he does ruin everything yeah Uh (laughs) well it's so funny this it's it's so far off the rails (laughs) that that dark city is uh based in more reality than action usa It, you know what? It does feel that way because I'm like, I don't know how this. The funny thing I, I was thinking, like, I'm pretty sure if guys try to stage a um, an attack on the country the way they're doing it, it would be p- taken care of fairly quickly because they're all over the place and there's not a whole lot of them from the looks of it. I can't really tell. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Chuck Norris takes like he's the only one. Come on. <laughs> he's the only guy. Yeah. Um, the, it's funny because. When it was over, I'm like, that movie is basically a highlight reel of just Chuck Norris showing up in different places and fighting these groups of terrorists. And then, you know, it kind of ends in a bigger battle, but not even as big a battle as you might think. But it's got an amazing uh, villain death. I will say that. Yeah. And it just ends. It's just done. It's like we killed the bad guy. We're done. Um, There's a great scene where Chuck Norris drives like through a mall. The mall Um, scene is awesome. It is pretty awesome. (laughs) I mean, it's literally him just showing up all over the country and just killing these guys. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like how, like, he's just teleporting from, <laughs> you know, he's like Jason teleporting from place to place. <laughs> yeah, basically, he is their Jason in this movie because he's just everywhere and they can't escape him. Yeah. So, oh my God, the more I talk about it, I think the more I actually love it. <laughs> so, yeah, me too. Me too. Oh man, what a just bonkers movie! Like that, probably. Yeah, the cocaine budget in this movie must have been uh, off the charts because. Um, and it's funny because I don't even like Chuck Norris that much, but um, he's not a very expressive actor, you know, it's like, but he's good at this kind of thing. Just let him not talk and go kill people. That's, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I, when Chuck Norris is, you know, I I don't know. I don't love Chuck Norris, but, you know, uh, there's not a Chuck Norris movie I don't like, you know, <laughs> uh, okay. it was, it's so funny when that picture was floating around about the capital riots and like somebody's oh. like oh my gosh look chuck norris was there and it obviously wasn't him the first thing that came to my head was he was an action uh uh what invasion usa he wanted right. to do this thing <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that was funny because that guy they've had really looked like him and i i think i know that um chuck norris in real life is a republican and i think he was a trump supporter but but he was not at the capitol at least we can say uh that for him that he was not at the insurrection at least but uh but yeah so i mean chuck norris is not my favorite but i mean when you just ask him to do this that's fine like um have a really charismatic bad guy just let chuck norris beat people i don't think he even does chuck norris even like take a hit or a bullet or anything in this movie and that's the crazy thing like even (laughs) even in you know when they're walking through that 
uh, through the office. Is that the final fight? Like the yeah, the yeah. office building. Like he just walla he's walloping Richard Lynch over and over yeah. and over. <laughs> like he doesn't get one punch. It's crazy. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's uh, it's something. I uh, I had a lot of fun revisiting that one because yeah, the first time I watched it, I think maybe my expectations were too high because I'm like I'm thinking bigger scale. Um, I'm thinking. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I had the movie built up differently in my mind. And this time I knew what to expect and I had more fun with it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and so this one, this was the one where I had the pairing like immediately. So, I, um, and it's funny cause it's another Canon movie. And if you were doing a double feature, I would say play this one before invasion USA. Cause this is like invasion USA on like a, uh, a, sc- a smaller scale, I would say. I went with Death Wish three, oh, <laughs> which I... I think is my favorite Death Wish movie. I think um, it's this or four. The, it's I know people are it's probably like what the first one, but the first one and the second one uh, are like too mean spirited for me to watch over and over. Yeah, um, especially two. Jesus Christ! The first time I saw two, I was like, "I'm good. I don't need to see that again." <laughs> and then five is just not great. I think there's like a really good kill with like a basketball in five, but <laughs> um, three and four are like the sweet spots for me. Three and four are like the Rocky three and four of the Death Wish series. I feel like where it's like they're kind of ridiculously over the top, but they're very entertaining. Um, they're not gritty anymore. Uh, I mean, three is still kind of gritty, but uh, if you haven't seen three. So it's Paul Kersey back in New York to visit a friend. And of course, that friend dies because because Charles Bronson can have no one that he cares about live. Yeah, uh, Marty Balsam is the friend. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Um, and so and then uh, Charles Bronson finds him. Uh, he's found at the crime scene by the police, taken in police custody. But then <laughs> lucky for him, the police chief played by Ed Lauder, who's great. Ed in this. Lauder. Yes. Oh, Ed Lauder. Um, so good. Um uh, lets him loose on the streets because crime's so bad in this neighborhood. I don't think they ever define what borough or what neighborhood it is. I mean, it's New York, but I don't think they say. I think it's always it's always kind of been the Bronx, right? <laughs> it's like so. I'm not very good with like New York neighborhoods or geography, but yeah, it, it's like a, just a bad neighborhood. Ed Ladder's like, you got to get out there and just go kill people. <laughs> it's like kind of fucked up if you think about like from a moral standpoint. But there's this horrible gang that's like just terrorizing all these people. So they show like all the nice neighbors and everything, but they, you know, and you like the community, but then they're this horrible gang that's just running through the neighborhood and like, um, young Alex winters in that gang. Like, it's like, (laughs) like how can I be scared of Alex winter? He's so nice. But, um, so Bronson goes in there and he just starts like, (laughs) I just kind of find it funny that he's instigating situations to kill people. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, (laughs) I mean, if you think of, about it he's obviously this man should be in prison for the rest of his right. life yes yeah <laughs> i mean he he does one thing where um i think he he like makes his car very um i don't know uh, uh what's the word like he wants someone to steal his car basically yeah, so he right. goes out there and he's like what are you doing and then, and then they do threaten him but then he immediately shoots him and just goes back in the house like nothing happened <laughs> yeah, he's, i mean yeah. Oh God, man. After that first movie, he's like, oh, I love killing people. I know he, he's like, <laughs> it's kind of funny, his character arc. Like, and then I also was thinking, it seems like after a while, all these deaths just don't affect him anymore. Like, he's just like, oh, oh totally, totally, whatever. Like he just has, he's like, uh, all the shit he went through, the man should be like 
broken, depressed, like seems like he's doing okay. Uh, so, and then he, oh my God, I love the one scene where he walks around with his camera thrown over his back, <laughs> like very, uh, you know, very uh, conspicuous. And then yeah. he's like, yeah, la la la. And like eating an ice cream cone, I think. And then like, this guy steals the camera, of course. And then he's like, oh, thank God. And just shoots him in the back. Yeah, like, he's totally, he just, he's just baiting people left and just right. He's baiting people. It's amazing. It's ridiculous. I mean, um, he uses this insane gun that I found out was called a 475, like wild, wilder magnum or something that is just the <laughs> most ridiculously over the top gun. Like it makes an old magnum look like a pea shooter. I feel like it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and it's funny because the ending of this one actually was very similar to the ending of uh, Invasion USA. I believe they use the exact same weapon to kill the bad guy. Oh, <laughs> like, really? If you remember, right? Yeah, it's like they had. Oh, I'm bad with I'm bad with weapons. I don't know, but it's like it's not a rocket launcher. It's not a grenade launcher. It's um, it looks like a tiny little kind of missile launcher, like okay. a handheld. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing bad guy death again. Like it's um. It's it's uh it's amazing. Um, and it was funny because I was watching Death Wish three the other day, and uh, my roommate came in and uh, just for the last like minute of this, and uh, and he was like, "What are you watching?" I'm like, "Death Wish 3. And as soon as I said that, then you see the bad guy death. My roommate's like, "Holy shit! What is like? Yeah. I gotta watch this whole movie." Um, so yeah, I thought this would be really fun pairing of like this is like if you have Invasion USA, you also have Invasion New York Neighborhood. You know, it's like. Yeah. The, so, um, yeah, I just uh, I had a lot of fun with that double. That was a good one. <laughs> Love it. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. I, there's some about, uh, you know, I mean, canon movies, I think <laughs> you love them. You got to love them for, for what they are. You know, right. yeah. <laughs> I, I do. I really do. It's like they just I don't know. They don't nothing like that really exists anymore. That's the first thing I feel like they're yeah. just so of their time yep. of a piece. It just, yeah, I really enjoy most of them. So. Oh yeah. You, well, you, you could never make movies like that anymore. You know, oh, you'd no. be, you'd be man shot down immediately by, you know, a uh, PC crowd, not saying that like, I'm not politically correct or anything, but uh, you know, yeah, it's, Although, you know, I, I, I feel <laughs> I have seen some movies that, you know, uh, take the non PC route and I'm like, I don't know if we should be doing this now. So, you know, maybe leave this stuff back in the you know 70s and 80s and and uh, we can just watch our Blu-rays of them. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I it's funny because, yeah, I'm. I think I'm actually a pretty PC person. Like I don't, you know, I, I want right. people to do the right thing, but I watch these canon movies and I just kind of know what they are. And I will, uh, you know, I recognize the things that are problematic, but, right. but I just kind of, there's you know, nothing we can do about it now. You know what I mean? Like it happened. I don't want to really happen anymore. It's just a time capsule of, of, of that stuff going on. And some stuff is like too much where I'm like, Ugh, but, but most of it, I'm just like, it was the eighties. They didn't know, you know, what they were doing. Cocaine, man. It's it's all about the cocaine. I know that cocaine just really uh, it changed people. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. So that's uh, God. That's it, I guess. And uh, um, on the doubles. So that was that was a lot of fun. I we went some wild directions. I didn't expect. So. <laughs> um, doubles. I really want to do now. I really want. I think I'm going to do that matinee chef double very soon. Actually. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, just it's a it's a nice, lighthearted evening 
<laughs> it is it is nice and invasion usa death wish 3 might be a little heavier but still fun in a, in a whole different I, way. I don't yeah i mean you you approach that just as purely entertainment and i mean that's a that's a fun night right there <laughs> i'd say so yeah no it was a lot of fun i'm glad that you um liked and really liked some of the stuff i gave you that was that was good because i just pulled them at random i was like i hope he likes these so oh, yeah well man i'm so thankful uh finally got to see sing street yes i'm, I'm really glad I, I gave that one to you i just i was like he'll like this for sure but um but uh but yeah this was just a lot of fun we should do this again in the future i think this could be like volume one of uh of some other stuff we could do so um i'd love to have you back down the road for something so i just a lot of fun talking movies with you oh for sure I, I had a great time matt thanks for having me on Oh, yeah, no problem. So I, I guess we will wrap it up here. This was a, this was a lot of fun. Um, Anthony, go ahead and just and plug whatever you want to plug. People can find you and your podcast and all that. Uh, okay, you can follow uh, the Cult Movies podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Cult Movies Pod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd at A.K. Donnelly, A-K-D-O-N-E-L-L-Y. And... Um, and then you can read my writing at the beloved F this movie. Oh, yeah. I, I feel bad. I didn't mention at the top of the show. Yeah, it's like, that's so great that you're writing for F this movie now. I love that. You've been on the show. It's that's fantastic. I know we were both um, are still huge fans of that that podcast. So that's that's really that's so cool that you're doing that. So, yeah, I'm very I, you know, I have to pinch myself every time I <laughs> write the article. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm actually emailing this to Patrick. What's this, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, am I in Dark City? Wait, my wake up. It's like, my wake up. Uh, oh man, no, that's great. So, um, yes, your writing is fantastic. Your podcast is great. Everyone should be checking it out if they're not already. Um, and yes, I will say, after a while, I feel like, am I should I still be saying the place you can find us? I feel like you probably have found us by now. But in case you haven't, I will say you can follow uh, the podcast on Twitter at Film Feast Pod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MattBlade87. Um, you can follow me and the podcast uh, on Instagram, which is Film Feast, all one word. Um, and yeah, just uh, please, if, uh, if you would like the show, just uh, subscribe, uh, follow us. New episodes every Friday. Um, we do all kinds of stuff. So it's like something fun like this or just one movie. But um, yeah, no, we're always talking movies. And Anthony, it was so much fun talking to you. So uh, can't wait to do it again. Oh, it's my pleasure being here, Matt. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>